I'm so happy that you brought me here to do this because that's for us and his family on the town also. And I thank God that they were willing to, you know, um, to uh, bring, you know, he was willing to volunteer to bring the word. I want to thank God for these brothers who have, have come alongside me, you know, to uh, help me in building, you know, the word of even oh, leadership. I was doing my scat out in shape. Can you all just on YouTube? Can you all mute your phones in the back? So what do you do? Come in. Come on with the phone unmuted. Please mute your phone. Mm-hmm. Okay, Pastor Arthur, you can go ahead. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord, brothers and sisters. Good morning. I am. Uh, I'm thankful, like I said, for the opportunity just to share the word. It's not a, there's no, you know, glamour. There's no, you know, self-seeking, no glory. That's not what this is for. You know, the word of God is first and foremost to be applied to our lives first before you can try to apply it to somebody else. Um, I want to talk today a little bit about overcoming uh, becoming a part of God's family, becoming a part of God's family. Uh, the Bible says, just as, so for example, just as we're born naturally by two parents, a mom and a dad, and them, the two of them coming together, they bring forth life, and we're born into that particular family, whether it's the, you know, the Freeman family, the Scott family, we all come from a legacy of parents coming together, men and women coming together in marriage, producing children, and us becoming one part of a biological family. Well, the same thing happens with God in a way, through holiness. That's how we're born into God's family. That's how we join him, and he becomes our father. Christ becomes our elder brother, and we become brothers and sisters of each other through holiness, through Yeshua. The Bible says, uh, and we become, we become one with the Lord by holiness. The Bible says in many places, but I'll just give you three. Leviticus 19, 2, uh, 20, verse 7, and 20, 26, and 21, and 8. The command is to be holy for he is holy. It's a call for us to be what he is, to be of his nature, to be of his spirit, which is holy. Uh, When it's an invitation to be one with him, you know, this is why the Lord says in John 16, he says that they may be one with us. I and them, you and me, and I and you. And so God wants us all to be one, one holy, divine family with Christ at the head. 
uh, when, and you see this in the Old Testament with the children of Israel. When God rained down manna from heaven on the children of Israel in the wilderness, it was God's way of inviting them into his family. You know, you get to enjoy the same food that we enjoy. You get the same access to God as the angels. The Bible says in Psalm 78 25 that the manna was the bread of the angels. It was the food of the angels. It was God's welcome. God was saying, you belong to me. You are a part of this family. You get to eat what the angels eat. You get the same access. The Bible says in Numbers in chapter, I think it's Numbers chapter 9, that the cloud led them day by day. They got to see God every day, day and night. They got to enjoy God, the presence of God, every single day, day and night. And they were to be his holy people, and they were to be a part of one holy family. Uh, and this is why, again, you know, the Bible says, uh, if you look at um, the Bible says, so holiness through Yeshua is how we're adopted into this family. If you look at Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 11, he says, look there real quick, Hebrews in chapter 2, verse 11. Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 11. He says, we'll start at verse 10. He says, For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the pioneer their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are of the same what? Family. So to be a part of the family of God, what has to happen? I not only have to receive the one who sanctifies, that's faith in Yeshua, but then I also have to be sanctified day by day, day by day, day by day. And sanctification is the process of separation from every single thing that is unchristlike. And this is why the Bible says in Exodus, Exodus in chapter 29, you, can, you don't have to turn that, just write it down if you, if you want. Exodus 29 and 9, Exodus 29, 15 through 18. I'm trying to take my time here, so many, so many good thoughts here the Lord's given me. The Lord wants us to be a part of his family. Exodus twenty nine, fifteen through eighteen. Uh I'm sorry. Forgive me. Oh, Numbers fifteen forty. Forgive me. That's the verse that I was looking for. Numbers fifteen and chapter four. I'm sorry. Numbers chapter fifteen and verse forty. The Bible says, and this is the, the beginning of that, he says, oh, one who sanctifies and he who sanctifies are of the same family. So how does that process begin? If you look at Numbers in chapter 15 and verse 40, he first says, he says, So shall you remember and do all my commandments and be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. So first thing, what is Egypt? Egypt is a picture of the world, right? Everything that is unchristlike, everything that is ungodly, the Lord first brings us out of that to be our God. 
that means that he's taking us out of slavery and bondage to one, which is going to lead us to death, which is the world, right? The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, right? Covetousness, selfish ambition, uh, sexual immorality, lying, greed, uh, gossiping, you know, cheating, backbiting, all that. The Lord takes us out of that world to be our God. He wants to be our God, so he takes us out of that Takes us, takes us out of the old information and then puts new information into us through Yeshua, right? That's the daily process of transformation into Christ-likeness. Daily, the Lord is working, working out of us the filthiness of the world, and then he's putting into us Christ-likeness that is pure, peaceable, gentle, easily entreated, full of mercy, full of good fruit, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He says, apart from these, there is no law. So once you and I first get saved, the first, God immediately begins the process of separating us from unchristlike things and indoctrinating us into things that are Christ-like, his holiness, his purity. And he does that. It's a process of the moving from Jeremiah 17, 9, which the Bible says that uh, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can cure it? He takes us from that point to the end point, which is Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart. And so the Lord is about that business of purging us, purifying us, making us holy, um, set apart for his use, set apart for his purpose. If you look in uh, throughout the Old Testament, if you just look at, you know, look at Leviticus or look at, look at um, Exodus, just say, for example, just something as simple as Aaron's garment, Aaron's robe. The Bible says that there was not supposed to be anything else like that, right? No one was supposed to make anything else like that. Uh, if you look at the perfume that the Lord said, the incense, no one else was supposed to make anything like the incense that was made for the, for the uh, offering in the temple. Uh, the so you see those little things. So holiness means set apart for God, God's use exclusively, and that is what God wants for us: is to be set apart for His use exclusively, and that's why we have to. That's why He separates us from the world and begins the process of purging us from those worldly things, because those are the things that keep you and me from being instruments of God exclusively. What are the things that hinder us? It's our lust. It's our pride. It's our arrogance. It's our greed. It's our covetousness. It's us wanting things instead of God. It's us wanting women instead of God. It's us wanting entertainment instead of God. It's us wanting money instead of God. It's us wanting pleasure instead of God. All these things are the things that keep you and me from being servants of the Lord, set apart for his use, holy. It's the things that keep us from being used by him exclusively. If you look at, um, if you look at Acts, you kind of find the same thing in Acts chapter 7. If you look at Acts chapter 7 and verse 39, when Stephen was rebuking 
the uh, when Stephen was rebuking the Israelites who had you know falsely accused him of you know blaspheming Moses or whatever, and uh, he was saying in verse thirty nine that he gave in chapter seven the whole history of Israel Israel's rebellion and how they're always going backward how they're always going backward how they're always going backward. Um, the Bible says, Acts chapter 7, beginning in verse 37, he says, This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet from your brethren as he raised me up. And this is he who was in the congregation, or rather, the, I like the King James Version here, the church in the wilderness. The church in the wilderness. See, everything that applies spiritually, physically in the Old Testament has a spiritual application for us in the New Israel was the church in the wilderness, meaning that every single experience that they had applies to us in one way or another as the church. He said, this is he who was in the congregation in the, the church in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our fathers, and he received living oracles to give us. He says, but our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside, and in their hearts, they turn to Egypt. You see, and that's you and me. That's you and me. The Lord can take us out of the world. He takes us out. He tries to separate us. But the problem is, is that the, the foolishness, that's that the longing, the lust to go back to the world, the lust to go back into Egypt is there. And so, the, so God has to begin to exercise that out of us. And so how does he do that? Because ultimately, uh, you know, like we, like we talked about, our destination is Christ-likeness. Our destination is to, the Bible says in Romans 8, 28 and 29, that he works all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That means that you and I were predestined before we were even made when we were saved, the Lord predestined you and me for one purpose and one purpose only, to think like Yeshua, to speak like Yeshua, to behave like Yeshua, that he might be, the Bible says, the firstborn among many brethren, to, so we can be a part of his family with, us being, with him being the elder brother. That's what the Bible says, the firstborn, that is the greatest of many brothers. And so we become brothers through the holiness, through, through his holiness, and that is what the Lord is trying to transform us into. But as I said, it's, our, it's, it's the stubbornness, it's the foolishness that's in our hearts that we have to, um, that the Lord has to cut out of us. Um, he separates us, and then he sets us on that journey, like I said, of Jeremiah 17, 9 through Matthew 5, 8. So how does God do that? How does God get us to that place. So first, we have to understand that we have foolishness in us. We have to deal with the foolishness in us. And the Bible says that the height of foolishness, because this is what all, uh, this is the, 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 the heart of all foolishness, because you know, the Bible describes, you know, uh, hastiness as foolishness. The Bible describes, you know, adultery as foolishness. The Bible describes sin as foolishness, period. 
But all of that boils down to one thing and one thing only, and that's Proverbs 28 and 26. Where the Bible says, he who trusts in his self or he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. And that's where it all comes from. That's where our turning back comes from. That's where our, our lust and our rebellion, rebellious behavior comes from. It comes from our foolishness in trusting in our own heart, trusting in our own way, trusting in our own ability. And so it's, it's stuck to us. The Bible says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from us. So God has to get the foolishness out of us through, through pain. And look in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 29. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 25. And we're going to... We're going to look at, we're going to compare that to what the Lord said with um, regarding what the Lord put the children of Israel through in the desert. If you look at John, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 29, um, the Bible says, beginning at verse 27, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. He says, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and throw it away. It is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. And so what's the message that Yeshua is trying to teach us here? What Yeshua is trying to teach us is that foolishness is like an appendage. It's like one of our arms. It's like one of our eyes. That's how attached to it it is to us. And so in order for us to get victory over it, we need the pain. We need the pain that is similar to having an eye plucked out, similar to having an arm cut off, similar to having a foot chopped off. We need pain to cut out the foolishness that's in our heart. Our self-will, our, 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 our self-centeredness, the foolishness that's in us of making our own choices, we have to go through pain in order for God to get that out of us. There is no other way. It's like um, my birth father. My birth father had a, uh, when he was years ago, this was years ago, his foot was growing the wrong way. His foot was growing the wrong way, and uh, they, you know, they couldn't massage. They could not massage the foot back into place. They couldn't massage it into place. They couldn't, you know, rub it and be gentle with it and put it back into place in order for it to grow correctly. The only way that the foot would grow correctly is if they broke it. If they broke it, reset it 
and then it could grow correctly. 